0: to that week because it was always intense.
1: we The man, the myth, the legend, Dante Hall. My, my my favorite player growing up was Dante Hall. I love you guys <laughs> still, but Dante was my guy. Get to dashing, cause you still on the war feet. This episode of Chief Concerns is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is your number one source for all your sports betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more, and even NFL preseason. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code Believe for your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Chief Concerns. I'm Marcus Dash here with my brother Teja Dash, who will be co-hosting the post-game shows when the regular season starts. With myself and JD. Uh, JD is not on today. Uh, JD will be back next week. Um, and also, we have some exciting news. Um, So you guys know Bleacher Report. Bleacher Report had reached out to myself and J.D. last week. Um, They're trying to get us uh, inked up to uh, do a a post-game stream on the Bleacher Report app. We'll have all the information for you guys this week on Twitter or X, whatever you guys want to call it. Uh, But it's going to be a post-game show for the Cleveland Browns game, or the uh, preseason finale. J.D. and I will come on uh, the stream. It's going to be a different stream not on YouTube. Uh, But, yeah, we'll be talking to Bleacher Report audiences, and we encourage you guys to come on ask us questions on there, uh, get involved with the live the live, um, live uh, post game show on the Bleacher report app. It's gonna be like a one-time thing. we might go on there again in the season, but for now yeah, it's gonna be our first time on Bleacher report so that's a pretty cool opportunity for us. Uh, so yeah, uh, we'll have all the information this week uh, for you guys to get in because um, I believe the, the Browns games next week. it's a one o'clock Eastern Standard Time on Saturday. Um, so yeah, probably around three 30, 4 o'clock getting in on that. And, uh, yeah, JD and I will be chatting up about what we saw from that game. Um, but yeah, uh, Tasia, it's awesome having you on again. We were excited to have you on for the, the post game show this, uh, this coming season, man. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Um, so before we get into some of the takeaways from last week's, uh, preseason game, um, and also just general topics from this week's, uh, practice, we had a, uh, Uh, our friends over at kingdom cast um, posted this graphic this week and uh, uh, added chief concerns and JD Um, we'll get JD's input uh, this coming week was a fun, you know, nice little icebreaker for the episode question. Um, It was Mount Rushmore of chiefs quarterbacks. Who are your four quarterbacks on your Mount Rushmore? Um, And I think the way I look at it is like you obviously can go any way you want with this, but there's three main guys. Yes. And then the fourth one, you can have fun with that. That can be anybody, I think. Um, you could you could argue a few guys in there to be the right answer there, but there's there's you can have fun with that fourth one. But there's three main guys on there. But um, Tasia, who, who are your um, your uh, Mount Rushmore of cheese quarterbacks?
0: Well, I think the obvious ones are uh, Mahomes, yeah, uh, Dawson, yes, and Trent Green.
1: Yeah, I think so, and I think as far as Len Dawson, yeah, most of us weren't alive when he was playing. But, yeah, like, but come on, we're doing Chiefs history. You you know who Len Dawson is. You know you know his whole his whole story, his whole shtick. You know, so like, yeah, he has to be on there. So yeah, those are the main three. Yeah, those are the main three. The fourth one, I, I think
0: the other one comes down to personal, like just personal affliction, right? So.
1: Yeah, I, I think yeah. For me, it, it was definitely a, per, a personal thing, and I think anyone can go that way. You can make the argument Alex Smith was probably the, the one of the best. You can probably you can probably make an argument for him being the fourth best quarterback of all time, but I don't know. For yeah. me, Alex Smith spent so many years in San Francisco. For me to be like, yeah, he's a chief. Um, that's why I would I, I would go against anybody who puts Joe Montana in there. It's like he's not he's not a chief. I mean, he had some good years, but he's not a chief. Um, but you can make an argument for those guys being your fourth, but Tasia, who's your fourth? And I'll go with my, with my fourth guy after you, Montana
0: has the name. So I think, I think most people will choose Montana because of the name, um, Alex Smith's a really good one, I man. Alex Smith, just beside a ring, he had great stats and he was a great leader, a great dude. Um, and he had some really good chief teams that he managed that he, that he uh, literally managed. Um, <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. He's like, I got, I just, I just left the fell, fell into that one. Um, so if it goes personal, I I'll go. I became a chief fan when this guy was our quarterback. I'm gonna go Steve DeBerg. So, uh, playing a super tech mobile, uh, DeBerg was the quarterback. And, um, that's when I became like a chief fan. And then obviously Montana took over and the defense was amazing, but I started becoming a Chief fan. Steve DeBerg was our quarterback. So I'm going to have fun and make him our fourth guy. I'm going to get slaughtered for this. But, <laughs> yeah, that's that's my guy.
1: DeBerg an interesting one. Like, we, we, our other brother who's a Raiders fan, he was such a big fan of DeBerg. He actually had a Chiefs Steve DeBerg jersey, which is just – I mean, as a Raider fan, owning a Chiefs jersey. And he had a Steve DeBerg Chiefs jersey. And that, you know, I think a lot of people gave him credit when he – didn't he break his finger or, like, his finger got amputated during a game and he came back out or – What's the story behind that? Because isn't there like a famous thing with him playing a game with a broken finger on his throwing arm? I thought that. Let's well, was- just
0: just for fun. I'm gonna type in Steve Deberg finger. It was oh, it was dislocated.
1: Okay, and he and he played uh, and he played with that. Like they popped it the back. Yeah, and he played.
0: Yeah, yeah. He had a metal pin inserted that was exposed out of the skin. Oh so man. Yeah, that sounds pretty bad, right? Oh. Uh. Oh, God. Um, so, uh, he played a good, I mean, he played a good amount. I mean, yeah, he, he was so old. He started, he came th- when he was 34. He had two winning seasons. Um, so four seasons, he had two winning seasons, three winning seasons. Then he didn't start all year though, but 11 and five, 10 and five. And then, um, you know, as we know what happened after that, um, yeah, but it's too bad, you know, guys like, you know, guys like Gerbach, if they played longer, could have, could have been there up there. He had a good, had a good year with us. Um, yeah. But, again, it just comes down to personal, and, you know, I, yeah. I start with, you know, him as the quarterback of the Chiefs. So, I, I want to, you know, yeah. have him on there for my personal
1: sure. face, Rush. There's no right or wrong answer um, with the with this. I mean, it's all you know who you think. I, I'm curious to hear JD's because JD played for some of these guys. So I'm curious to see if he has some guys like Damon Hewitt or Brody Croyle in there. Obviously, you know, we talk about the, the the main three, and he played with one of those guys. But like I'm curious. And also JD is uh, an NFL fan, so like JD obviously would have Lynn Dawson in there. So he, you know, he saw he, he saw the, he, I'm sure he saw some of that. Um, but um yeah, so my fourth guy is a guy we've had a, as a guest on the show, um, a frequent guest actually. Uh, is my guy uh, Tyler Thigpen. Um, it's it's crazy how like now that we have the show. Like he's like a, kind of a buddy of mine. I'll text him during the NFL games. Uh, or Instagram uh, uh, follow each other on Instagram. He likes my just funny. Like one of my buddies was like, dude, like I got a I got a notification that Tyler Thigpen liked it, my photo. <laughs> it's like because you're tagged in it. So like I got I got that notification. It's like that's just random as hell that Tyler Thigpen's liking it, but. Tyler Thigpen in a time where you only played one year with us as a starter. Um, we didn't win that many games. Then we went to, we only won two games with Thigpen as our quarterback, um, that year. But like Tyler Thigpen was fun in, in a time where like we, there wasn't that much going on in chief's kingdom. Um, was right before the Matt castle era began. Um, it was boring offenses. We just ran the ball all the time. Tyler Thigpen comes in. We kind of we run this pistol offense. The before Kaepernick ran the pistol in the NFL. Tyler Thigpen, yeah, Tyler Thichpen was running in the NFL. Yep. Um, I think fantasy football sweetheart. Fantasy football sweetheart. And I to this day I believe he's the only Chiefs quarterback to ever lead the NFL in rushing yards. I don't think a Chiefs quarterback has ever done that before. Tyler Thickman did it that that one season. He did that, uh, which is crazy. That a we had a quarterback that led a league in rushing yards, and it was him. Um, but yeah, Thickman was so fun to watch in a time where like there wasn't much like there wasn't much of a quarterback play. And then also Tony Gonzalez, um, he actually went to bat for Thigpen when the season was over. He wanted to, he wanted Thigpen to be our guy the, the following year. Um, and I I think that's when he requested the trade out of um, Kansas City. Uh, what Thigpen wasn't brought back. Then he finally got his wish to to go elsewhere. Um, Still feeding him. He was forced video. think it's also some really good fancy days during the Thigpen days. Um, but yeah, also a really nice guy. I think he held at least up until this year, I think all of his coastal Carolina records were, were still in. And I think this past year they were broken. Uh, but obviously offenses are becoming more, you know, the throw the, throwing the ball a lot now. And you had a dual threat yep. quarterbacks, but yeah, Thigpen was one of those guys, man. He was a, he was a diamond in the rough and also a, a bright spot to some dark days in, in chiefs, in chiefs kingdom's history. Um, yeah. Yeah, no Steve Bono love, huh? I was thinking about Steve Bono. I mean, he was a pro bowler with one year with us. Went thirteen and three. Had some rough playoff losses, but um, yeah, I, I almost want Bono. But like, and that's also another a frequent guest of the show. A lot of these quarterbacks have been, have been frequent guests of the show. But Thickpin's my guy, man. Like he's so maybe it's just because I, I I having him come on the show. He's like so nice and so cool. And I was always a big Thickpin fan when I was growing up. So like, and it's gotta go with a personal preference. Huge thick pin guy. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm biased, I guess, for my fourth quarterback.
0: So, interesting fact for all the Chief fans out there. Um, Steve DeBerg in the 1990 season was sixth in MVP voting. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know
1: that. Damn. That's amazing. I almost thought – guess, And guess who won that year? 1990, Montana. Yep. Interesting. Um, And Warren
0: Moon well, came in third, so Chiefs had three quarterbacks. Three
1: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then also Bono was the backup to Montana before becoming the, the guy. Well, he was backup in San Francisco with him, but he was also the backup in Kansas City with uh, Montana. Then he ended up becoming the guy the following year mm-hmm. in Kansas City. Um, Also, another guy who you can make the argument that, obviously not a Chief great, but like Rich Gannon, and he only, he only, he started like one and a half years with Kansas with yeah, City. Yeah, that's true too. He never actually like got, he never he didn't become the guy in Kansas City. That was when he went to Oakland, but he became the guy. But like, gosh, could you imagine if the Chiefs had uh, Gannon during the Priest-Holmes uh, era? Although, I mean, Trek Green was great with us, so like it's not. But yeah. Um. So yeah, Rich Gannon could have been, you could make an argument for that too. But if we're going like Chief guy, Rich Gannon is probably not a Chief guy. Um. Okay. Um, and also, I think w- during during the, uh, the Rich Gannon years, we had Rich Gannon and Joe Horn. Can you believe that? We had Joe Horn and Rich Gannon on the same team. If only those guys stuck it out in Kansas City. I know. Um, but, so yeah, I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts on our uh, fourth uh, Chief quarterback and i can't wait to hear jd's uh his four guys it's it's gonna be very tough for him because he's got a lot of favorites um but anyway so we're gonna go into our uh chiefs uh talk for what's going on right now uh so we're gonna go into the, the wide receiver room um so a lot of stuff happened this past week uh luckily Luckily, we dodged some bullets here, but uh, we're going to go into it nonetheless. So this past weekend, during our first preseason game, uh, Justin Ross, Nico Ramigio, and Richard James looked the part. These are three guys, well, mainly Richard James and Justin Ross, that JD and I have been big fans of all offseason, all training camp at least, even before training camp. Nico Ramigio, I was a huge fan of him at Fresno State Um, when we picked him up. I was was really excited about that. Um, I did not think he was going to be flashing what he's been flashing, so it's amazing that he has been. Uh, But anyway, and they had great games on on uh, Sunday. Fast forward to this week, there's little injury bug in the, uh, the wide receiver room, and um, kind of scary. Um, we dodged some bullets. Justin Ross had a an apparent knee and hamstring injury. He was carted mm-hmm. off. That was that was a tweet everyone saw. Justin Ross carted off, but he was in the front seat. We found out after the fact. And then Andy Reid said, "Oh yeah, the knee and hamstring. We're, we're still seeing what it is. You know how bad it is." The next day, he's out in the field. He was fine. Um, Nico Ormesia su- uh, sustained a shoulder, a dislocated shoulder. Has not practiced since. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on um, as far as that. He was a guy who was fighting for that last receiver spot. Um, and then Emar Smith-Marset was also uh, carted off with Justin Ross, groin injury. Um, but, however, Ross and Marset are back, uh, and they were practicing a day later after those injuries. Uh, nothing serious, but the receiver depth is an interesting one because we've talked about how deep we have it and how young this receiver depth is. However... If all these guys are getting injured, plus t- Tony's already out with his um, his uh, meniscus tear or partial meniscus tear, it's kind of interesting that so far in the season, we have so many nicks and bruises to this uh, wide receiver group, and that's scary. Um, so my, my question to you is, Tasia, uh, what do you what do you make of the injuries that we're already seeing in the wide receiver room? And what, what would you attribute that to, I guess? Because we're seeing injuries all over the place, and every year it seems like it's getting worse and worse and worse. Um, what would you attribute the injuries to, the injury bug to that you're seeing? Um but also what do you what did you make of their play on Sunday against the Saints?
0: Attributing it to um I just think it's bad luck. It's not like a thing where it's not like a case where a guy like missed camp and comes back and goes full speed and gets injured. You know what I mean? There's no I don't think you can really pinpoint, you know, why it's happening. I just think it's bad luck, really. Um I mean, with Justin Ross, I guess he's had some you know, background in that. But, you know, I don't think it's anything having to do with their history or I think it's just bad luck. Tony, (laughs) it's a string of bad luck maybe, but that's not what we're talking about right now in in this situation. Um, Overall, I I think I'd be a lot more concerned if we still had like a top-heavy receiver group um, like we did with Tyreek. When we had Tyreek and a bunch of dudes, we'd be screwed if he went down. Every time I'd see Hill, after a play, kind of do that whole, like, limp run off the field, I'd be like, great, we cannot afford that, because it was, at that point, it was pretty much Hill or bust on our team, but right now, um, it's weird, because I, I, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, I wouldn't be surprised if three or four of the receivers became our number one by year end, right? I really wouldn't. Yeah. which isn't ideal because I know teams are obsessed over having the the guy, uh, the number one. Um, but we're also seeing way more teams nowadays have like two stars in their team. You got you know Waddle and Hill. You got Higgins in Cincinnati as the number two. Um, with so many guys getting banged up and throughout the season, it's good to have a bunch of guys capable of stepping up and being that number one. So receivers, one of the few positions I'm not that concerned with having little nicks. And I, I think we're going to be cautious with them all year. I don't think I, I think I read a report we're not going to rush. Tony's day by day. And we're not going to rush him back by any means. Good. You, you don't need to. I, I, we have so many, when we're talking about, you know, there's a lot of different conversations with chiefs, mostly Chris Jones, but the other one would be like receiver and how deep we are and, and who's going to make it. And, and that's a good problem to have, especially when you have a lot of little bumps and bruises here and there, they're keeping guys out a couple of days. days. Um, I'm happy with it. I, I think we're looking good with guys like more Ross and, and, and rice Ross looked good in the game. Um, I know his TD catch was big, but the other one, the um, the sideline, it was a sideline throw, I think, right? Yeah, it was that a, was a hit on the
1: sideline. Yeah,
0: that was a more impressive route to me. I think he looked great on that one. Um, uh, Sky, I hope to see more of this weekend, more reps. And MVS, we already know what he offers. I don't think he has to really show anything in camp uh, or in, in preseason games. Um, Rice had the drop and a false start, but other than that, he looked good. And it was his first – real action in, in the nfl so you know if he has a little jitters i'm not that concerned about it um growing pains and nicked up i'm okay with i'm i'm not okay with like big time injuries when we saw carted off after a while though i will say we're going to be less concerned with carted off because it seems like these guys get carded off when they have cramps now yeah so like i'm not i i Chalk it up to another wait for Rappaport to report on a bad injury before I get freaked out anymore because these guys are being carted off for everything.
1: Yeah, it's that it's that hill they have at St. Joe. They don't they, they don't want the guys to walk up that hill. They want them to like take the cart up if they have, like any any kind of thing, which I, I yeah. it makes sense. But but now you see it's that around the
0: NFL too. What's that? You see that around the NFL too. Like guys just get carted off for like small injuries now.
1: Yeah. I guess for me, it's like one of those things now, cause we've been so ingrained to When you hear Carter off, that means, Oh shit, something bad happened. But now it's yeah. like, wait, like, no, that doesn't mean anything. Just wait. But with Justin Ross, with his background, obviously his spinal thing wasn't a football injury. So that's one thing everyone always says it's not an injury. It's, a, it's something he had. Um, But like with his ankle, his foot thing, that was, that was really the only injury nagging injury he had. So like, you know, not really much of an injury history there. He's got a history, a medical history. Not really much of an injury history there. But yeah, when you see Justin Ross Carter off, like, oh shoot, like, what does that mean? And then you hear more like, oh no, he was riding shotgun. Oh no, like it's just you know preventative. They didn't want him to walk up the, the, the 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 hill. But yeah, no, I agree with you. I think it is interesting. We we are so deep, and like it with specifically Sky Rice and Ross. One of those three may emerge as our number one receiver. It wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't surprise anybody if he, it's either one of those guys. And the crazy thing about that is this Ross is like an undrafted guy. So the fact that we're saying right now, it wouldn't surprise me if he looks like the number one receiver by the end of the season. It's like like did we struck gold? And it looks like it so far. And I, what I want to see this weekend, and we can get into that more later, but like what I want to see this weekend, I want to see what Ross did with Bouchelle. I want to see that with Mahomes and the ones and Mahomes and the ones are supposed to play the, the first half, which I don't see them playing the whole first half, but they will play a lot more than they played last week. Hopefully Ross gets inserted in that, in the, in that lineup. Um, Richie James, another guy that looked really good. Another guy that JD and I have been big fans of. I'm really excited about what he can do in this offense. He looked, he looked great with Daniel Jones and we know how average we think Daniel Jones is. He looked amazing with, um, with Daniel Jones last year, he looked great the last weekend, and I know there was it was weird how they they kept trying to give him like the um, the corner routes the back of the end zone a five ten guy we're, we're trying to get, we get a corner route to him. Hey, it worked out. He scored in a row. Yeah, he scored a touchdown though. So I mean, it obviously worked, yeah. but yeah, interesting route for that kind of guy. But it shows he, he can do the underneath stuff and he can also do um, some of that. Uh, but yeah, I, I love what I see from Richie James. I think Richie James is one of those guys you can get him late in your fantasy drafts. I think he actually. I think he can have a sneaky like good year as far as like being a PPR type guy, like a nice possession guy. Um, I think he's going to look great. I think Sky Moore is going to look great, but I think people are going to overdraft Sky Moore just because he's got the name and high pick. He's been with the offense for another year. Yep. Um, but yeah, I'm excited about the receiver group. Yeah. It sucks that. And I will say, you you mentioned the Tyreek Hill days where, like, when he went down, it's like, oh, shit. Like, we have a bunch of other guys, you know, like these guys, like DeMarcus Marcus Robinson, Albert Wilson types. Like, ugh, like I don't really – I'm not really excited about that. I'm scared. Um, with this, we have a lot of unproven guys. So when you have one guy go out, it's like, man, okay, well, these other guys better step up. The hype we've been hearing about them, they better step up. And I'm not so much scared about it. It's more like after going through what we did last year, specifically in the playoffs, we had the injury bug in the receiver room and Mahomes was making do with Marcus Kemp. I think that's, that's what everyone doesn't really care for the receiver room as much, as far as like, we don't need a number one guy. As long as we have a bunch of competent guys out there, Mahomes will be yeah. fine. And I think that's what that Super Bowl run, that's what, that's what it was good for. You saw like Mahomes made do with, they were trotting Jody Fortson out there with that giant cast in his elbow, and Marcus Kemp out there at receiver. Like, oh, we just beat the Bengals with the, with those guys. I think we'll be fine. So, like, I think all these guys are gonna be great. Um, I'm really, I, I really love the receiver room. I love Nico Ramizio. I think he's got a shot to make the team. I think there's a there's a sneaky shot. This is one the one thread at you. Do you think he makes the team over uh, Justin Ross? Uh, Justin Watson, not Justin Ross. I think Justin Ross is a lock. I Think Justin Watson. There's a chance. But also with a dislocated shoulder, who knows? Who who knows what's going to happen with uh? So
0: we're uh, assuming Tony's IR to start the season, or, or or
1: no? I think Tony will be on the P-B. I think Tony will be on the roster because I think he'll play week two. I I think he'll be on the roster. Uh, okay. Um. Yeah. I I, th- I don't think they're going to rush him back, but I think he'll be back week two or week three. I I don't think it's going to be long enough for them to put him on um, uh, IR or PUP or anything like that. Would you be surprised if he was? Yeah, I'd be surprised. Yeah. Really? Okay. Too much back and forth on it. Initially, they said, oh, yeah, he'll be back by week one. Then there was that weird, like, Schefter report. Oh, yeah, Pacheco and him will be ready for week one. Then this week, the assistant GM was like, yeah, well, there's no timeline on it. He's getting back. It's like, that's –
0: Trending the wrong way, though.
1: Trending the wrong way, but when we had Dr. Chow on our show, he was like, yeah, I don't know if there's any reason to rush him back. So it's like, well, okay, maybe week two, week three. Because he was adamant – Dr. Chow was adamant about week two.
0: Okay. Okay, well then in that case, then Tony, uh, Sky, Rice, MBS, four definites, yep. right? Richie James, yes, fifth definite at this point. Yep. So then it comes down to you think Ross is definite is that you're oh, saying. Oh, yeah, I think
1: he's a definite. It comes down to really do you think they're gonna keep seven receivers? That's what it comes down to. They're not keeping eight. There's no there's no chance to keep eight receivers. No.
0: And just so two questions. Are they going to keep seven? And is the seventh Watson or Remigio? Yeah. And, and
1: this is and, then, and this is also pending. Remigio comes back from this dislocated shoulder. Because, I mean, obviously, dislocated shoulder is no joke. Especially as a receiver who has to, he has to do this. And I don't know. He He's made... Every yeah,
0: seven, it would be Watson.
1: You, you don't think Remigio's got a chance? Mm. Yeah. 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 I, I don't think so either. But who knows? I, I think... He had a chance, and if this dislocated injury is, you know, it keeps him out. Of this. Like he doesn't to play tomorrow, which I don't, I don't think he's going to. With only a couple days after dislocated shoulder, if he's out tomorrow, I think it's, I think it's done. I, I think he'll probably be on the practice squad. I think it's a lock practice squad, um, coming up. Yeah yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. Unfortunately, though, because Ramishio looked really good all throughout uh, camp. Um, it's like dislocated shoulder for a receiver was a tough. It's a tough injury to have. Um, so we're going to get to another dislocated shoulder. Um, and that's our uh, next topic here is our tight end group. Um, I wanted to hear JD's uh, take on uh, what he thought about this. Cause JD's a huge Jody Fortson guy. He's been, he's been on that guy's train for a long time, but, um, yeah. So, uh, chiefs placed uh tight end Jody Fortson on IR due to a dislocated shoulder. So yeah, these, th- these injuries are no joke. Dislocated shoulder is not a joke. Obviously there's, yeah. there's different levels to it, how severe they are, but obviously is on IR and he's done it. And I posted on Instagram a couple days, days, uh, two days ago, that he did the surgery. It, it went fine and everything. Um, so another injury for a guy who's had a, a pretty much all career of injuries. Uh, 2021 missed pretty much the entire season with the Achilles last year, missed a lot of the year with the elbow injury. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys, man, like when he gets in the game, he's, almost a chance for a touchdown every time he's in the red zone. I mean, he, he, it's kind of body. He is. And I think Justin Ross is going to take over a lot of that, of that Jody Fortson. Oh, red zone. We saw Jody Fortson. I think Ross will come in and, and now be his niche. I think, especially with Fortson out now, now that gives him a window, a big, big frame guy mm-hmm. to go up and do the, what Fortson was doing. Um, and that's also, if he doesn't have a more role, a bigger role in offense, which he might anyway, what do you make of Jody, Fort, uh, Jody Fortson's future in Kansas City? A lot of people think this might be the last of Jody Fortson in Kansas City. Um, this because days might be numbered after this. Um, and then also keep it in the tight end group. You got last tight end spots. We have Kelsey, No Gray, but then it comes down to that last spot, which is Blake Bell and Matt Bushman. Originally, the conversation was are we going to keep four tight ends? Now, are we going to keep three tight ends? And who's going to be that third? Well, we are going to keep three tight ends. Who's going to be the third yeah. tight end?
0: poor Jody. Um, yeah, another one year deal, another paying him to pretty much just rehabbing recoup, right? It's just too bad. Um, it would have been nice to see his, you know, role expand, at least in the red zone, but sad setback, um, really bad luck with injuries. Um, at least it's early on in the season. He gets to take their season to recoup and get better. And, um, I mean, I, I think next year he'll be invited to camp and, and try to carve out a roster spot again. But he'll be 29 uh, by next season, which isn't exactly young for an NFL player. So it, it's a little rough. But um, as far as his future, he needs to work his ass off and get back into camp next year and make a good impression and try to, you know, um, stay on the field and prove he can carve out a role, at least in the red zone. Um, unfortunately, the health part is just working against him. It's just it's too bad. Bushman, I know, is everyone's sweetheart. Um, people love. Where would you rank Bushman on the sweetheart list, like the the, the social media sweetheart list? Uh, I'd say at this point, after a slow start, I think Justin Ross is number one.
1: It, it's turned around though, because at first you had a lot of the Chiefs' media people who didn't who didn't want to give him the roster spot, and then they yeah. they and they saw that it was undeniable his talent. I mean, no matter what bullshit prediction they had, his talent's undeniable. The Chiefs media team knows how good he is. That's why they're posting the clips of him every day. They know what the Chiefs kingdom wants. I never understood why they were so reluctant anyway. But, yeah, I think Ross is number one. For a little bit there, Prince was number two. Our guy, Daneric, was number two on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: that's yeah, true. Yes, but, yes.
1: But now that's that's gone the other way. Now they're Michael yep. P. Ryan fans now, um, which I don't know where that came from. Um, not dogging P. Ryan, but I'm, it, it, out of nowhere. Um, Watson. Uh, in def- Actually, you know what? Watson's ahead of Ross still because the reason why there was so much push for Ross, I'm I'm talking about Chiefs media specifically the people in the the Kansas City media.
0: Oh, I was saying like social media, but yeah,
1: social media. Yeah, it would go Ross then Prince, um, and then Bushman's gotten a lot of love. Yeah, Um, but I was saying overall, overall though, Watson has gotten. Watson's gotten so much love from the Chiefs media, and I've barely seen any clips of him doing anything during camp. But for some reason, oh, he's such a nice guy. He's got great sound bites. Uh, you know, he's got a role in special teams. Oh, he's he's getting rolled. He, he's getting rotated with the ones. Like, dude, why? Why are we here? Why do you think he
0: hardly played in the preseason games? It's because he's that good. Yeah, <laughs> that's another good one. I like. Like,
1: how come I haven't seen one clip of the guy? If he if he's rotated with the ones and do all this stuff, I've seen maybe one clip in like three weeks of training camp. It's straight camps over now. I saw, I guess saw maybe one Ross or uh, Watson clip. Like, dude, enough, man, enough. But so I think that's one guy who's got an unjust love from the media. When I haven't seen any clips from him, but anyway, yeah.
0: Defenders, who, who who's like, we don't have a lot of sweethearts in on defense, do we?
1: No, we've been like, wait, like like a Ben Neiman, Daniel Sorensen type guy.
0: Just a guy that you know people are raving about. You know, like a, a Bobby Scipio of defense.
1: Oh, uh, oh, no, uh, Nick Jones.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Even Connor, him. too, a little him. bit. What's that? Even Connor, too. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But uh, th- those two, I would say, have been... Nazi, or our guy Nazi was the, the first start. Of true he was. Fans. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a shame. But, uh, yeah, um, Nick Jones and, and uh, Chamari.
0: If we have to keep one, I think we go Bell. Um, better blocker, and it looks like he might be our fourth one Bell Cow. So, <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a
0: more reliable vet i could just see andy sticking with that
1: yeah for better block and bush but you can make you can, he's the type of guy you could probably get him back in your practice squad again exactly um yeah yeah and also you, you never know what they do with the with the injuries and stuff they may put some guys on ir where they can go ahead and put somebody back on the roster again um mm-hmm. i'm curious to see what they do with the running back situation and the tight end situation if they go four tight ends or they go three running backs, or they go four running backs, three tight ends and they can't keep seven receivers. I'm very curious to see what they do with that. Um, it's going to be interesting because I think they are going to keep seven receivers. So what are you going to do? You can't keep a million tight ends and you can't keep, you can't keep everybody, you know? Yeah. Um, but keeping seven receivers opens it up. It, it makes it harder to keep you know, all the tight ends. They want to keep. Yep. That's true. But the conversation is so interesting though, because it originally went from, are they going to keep four tight ends? Cause a lock that Fortin was going to make the team. That's what people, that's what people said. But now it's like, are they going to keep three tight ends? Because like, or no, which, who's going to be the third tight end? Cause it, it was originally, it was going to be, um, Fortin gray and Kelsey were the locks. The four tight end spot was between Bushman and, and, um, and, him. but now it's, Will they, who's the third tight end they're going to keep? They're not keeping four anymore. They're going to keep three, which is kind kind of fucked up. But if I if I hurl this stuff like the, all the, all the hype, that's why you don't listen to the media hype. But if I was one of these tight ends, like oh man, they're originally going to keep four. That one tight end's hurt. Now are they going to keep four? No, they're going to keep three, and you're probably not going to be one of them. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, the fact that Bell has that fourth in one QB sneak roll, which failed miserably against the Saints, and it's kind of been on the downward trend of not working uh recently if you go back to last year he it didn't work a lot of the time um that he's got a niche carved out for him outside of being the only blocking tight end we have but true yeah I, I agree I, the blocking tight end
0: part definitely like helps him a lot it saves him
1: that's what it is if Bush was a better blocker yeah I would say yeah he had he had a shot because he's he's a pretty good receiver. Um but like yeah and also he's got he's a BYU background. You know Andy loves his BYU guys. True. Um yeah, no, I agree. I think Blake Bell's the the fourth or the third tight end, um, on the roster. But who knows? A lot of time left in in uh, in preseason, man, to see if it, any injury happens. Training camp every day, there's there's a new person on the on the card. So, um, we'll, we'll see what we'll see what happens. But yeah, I think as of right now, the third is Blake Bell, and I don't think it's close actually. Mm-hmm. I think people think it's closer than it is. I don't think it's close at all. Um. Uh, the next one, the next topic I wanted to talk about is the, the kick return. Obviously, you guys know we love talking about special teams on here. Oh, boy. Maybe one of the few shows that likes to talk about special teams. I think people just m- mull over it. It's like it's a big part of the game. Um, but anyway, last week we talked about the special teams being a big deal. We're, we're going to watch that. Something to look at. You know, Dave Tobes said he wants everybody to return, no matter how deep it is in the end zone. He wants everybody to return it. JD has a problem with that, even though it's special teams, but JD likes to practice the way you're going to play in the regular season. So if it's in the end zone, let it be in the end zone. Get the ball to 25, call it a day. But Tube wants to see what he's got from his return men, which is fine. So we got to see a little bit about our starting kick returner, um, Deneric Prince. Um, so got the starting nine, a kick return. He had two returns. Um, one, he caught at the four, brought it to the 24. So a 20-yard net gain there. The other, he caught four yards deep into the end zone. This is the one that I wanted to ask you about. Caught four yards deep into the end zone. Took it to the 13. Um, so netting around 17 yards, but keeping it, getting it at the 13-yard line. Giving us a horrible field position. I mean, this That's happened terrible. happened a lot last year, man. But, uh, when uh, Pacheco was taking now out the, the end zone and giving us, like, what, the, the 15? Like, dude, take the touchback. Let's get to the 25, man. We can't believe it. This is, every inch matters in the NFL and football. Um, so – my, there's there's two questions here a mm-hmm. do you like this philosophy that Dave Tobe has and B if you look at Tobe just over you know over the years the special teams isn't getting better under Dave Tobe in the first few years I Tobe was getting an interview for the head coaching job with San Diego or that one and then now it's like it's kind of it's kind of sputtered and some Chiefs media people are talking about Tobe possibly being on the hot seat should any Consider firing him after this year if the, if the special teams looks as bad looked as bad as it did last year. Um, but first, let's just talk with the, the kick return philosophy that he has. What do you what do you uh, what do you make of this whole returning and regardless of the end zone stuff? Um, and then also, just what do you make of that?
0: JD knows more than me about this, but I, I as a as a fan, I get the logic of having them try it. I want. I'd rather know who's cut out for it more than practice what you're going to do later on. Cause you can, you can instill that in them through practice throughout the season, especially like if you're, if you're doing it with a player who's not an integral part of the offense, like let's say Prince is let's say Prince makes a team. Let's say Prince is the kick returner. He's going to be doing a lot of special teams work. So drill that in his head to be smart about when to return it, when not to return it. Um, I don't mind that. I, I want to see who's cut out for it. I want to see them return it personally. Um, as far as our decline, I, I I did some deep diving into that too. Um, you're, you're very correct. It's gotten worse by uh, a lot over the years. So this last year we averaged 19 yards per kick return. Um, it was fourth worst in the league. Wow. Uh, Pacheco was our main kick returner. Um, but to be fair to all the Pacheco lovers out there, Pacheco had better numbers in our overall return numbers because it was that bad outside of him. Um, in 2021, we were 10th overall with 23.4 yards per return. Um, our main kick returner was Pringle. Uh, in 2020, we were 5th overall, 26 per return. Our main kick returners were Harbin and Pringle, but Pringer, Pringle did actually a better job than Harbin that year, and I think that's when he became like the main guy. Um, 2019, we were 6th overall with 25 per return. Uh, Hardman was our main kick returner. He made the Pro Bowl that year as a return specialist. Uh, 2018, do you remember our, our kick returner that year? With Albert Wilson? as Tremont Smith. How? Oh. <laughs> who averaged 27 per return, actually. Um, 2017, our main kick returner was Akeem Hunt. Mm. Um, our best year, it looks like, I mean, yeah, Tremont Smith, but, I mean, when you get to a certain point, you, you – a guy somewhat needs to perform in other parts of, of of the field, other than that, right? You you better be a badass kick returner if you're only sticking around to be a kick returner, right? Yeah. Usually, it's a guy who functions on other parts of the offense, whether he's a cornerback or a or a third string running back or something. Judging by this, our best years a receiver. Maybe we need to find a receiver to return it because that whole generic Prince Nile Davis cutout. It's not. I, I'm just. I'm more of a fan of a guy with wiggle. I know. Obviously, they want a straight line guy who just goes. Um, Dare we try C H back there? Give him some use. If he's not our day one starter, if Pacheco's our guy, I don't. I don't. I don't know. Would would C H got a little wiggle to him? I don't know, man. I mean, you get injured in like two returns. I mean, I, I think that's the bigger. Well, issue.
1: Richie James had a had a nice return on. I mean, I know he wasn't a starting guy, but he had a nice return uh, on, uh, on. I'd, be, on I'd be totally
0: fine with Richie James doing it. Yeah, I, I know there are people joking about Ceh getting cut at some point. So I'm like, before you cut him, try him a kick returner first. See if you've got any legs there. Um, because I, mean, I I know uh, I saw, I forgot his name was dogging his his, his vision, saying his is still a problem. And I guess if your vision's a problem at running back, it's not going to be much better at kick returning. Um, true. I just, I don't know, man, I, I'm going to be fair and give it another couple weeks. Um, it's crazy that one of the biggest things I'll be watching is, is, is kick returning over the next two weeks. It's an issue, but, uh, I, I'm like desperate. I just want to try anyone. I mean, we don't have any like expendable guys at running back that I'm like, no way. I'm, I'm almost to the point where I don't want Pacheco doing it because he's taking hits and he's already having, you know, shoulder issues and whatnot. So I don't want to really have him back there anymore if we can have someone else out there who can do it you know close to what he does and I, i'd rather have that
1: yeah I, I will say i think they were trying Prince out there because i mean pretty much the whole week or the last few weeks james has been the main pump return and kick return guy in practice and stuff they tried him out there to start i mean i thought it was be a big boost his first one wasn't bad um that that, you know? that last me it's tough to make something out of nothing when you when you're when you when you're feeling something from the Four yards back in the end zone. It's tough, man. Because he got 17 yards from there, but he only got to 13. I mean, that's rough. I mean, it's not going to look good. Um, and I'm not dogging him. It's I think it's the philosophy behind it. Because like at the end of the day, let that shit go. Get to 25. I know you want to see what you got. Richard James, the only kick return he had was a 31 yards. Um, uh, that, I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, I mean, we're talking about that. He's a guy's who got a little bit of wiggle. He's shown to to do that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that's what that's one guy. I I think he will be end up being the, the kick returner and punt returner. Um, not that I have anything against Prince doing that, but I just think he's had the most experience with it. Letting him do that, and c- quite honestly, we're not gonna be seeing that many kick returns anymore. I think it's gonna be – most teams are gonna are gonna settle with the get the touchback into the twenty five. Unless you are desperate, you are getting dominated. You need you need to have that boost. But yeah, I mean, punt returns the one run, I, I I I tend to want to look at more. So. Uh Remigio was the main main one doing that um on Sunday.
0: Daenerys Pitts' better return was 20 yards, which is not it's not good. No. No. I mean, I told you last year we averaged 19 a game, and that was fourth worst in the league. So yeah. 20 would get you at about like seventh worst in the league. So it's not Yeah. It's not very good.
1: Um and we'll, we'll see what he does against Arizona uh tomorrow night. But yeah, yeah, still got time to find out who the guy is. I I think the early odds-on favorite is going to be James to be the the the, the return man, which I'll be happy with. Um, Remigio had had two of the punts. I don't know if he's our starting punt returner, but because by the time they punted the ball, finally, or it was like our third, our three third stringers in there, because New Orleans move the ball at us at will, so uh, we never actually got to see who our starting punt returner what would have been. So that's true. Which Which pathetic and yeah we're going to get to the reason why as to why that might have been uh, now with our final topic here so um, obviously the biggest elephant in the room i guess not really the elephant in the room everyone knows you know it's chris jones um, yeah uh, the saints kind of dominated our defense and it's no no shock that we had no pressure from the the defensive front um, so if you just look we're just looking at the first two drives we're not going to look at the whole game but look at the first two drives it's all you need to look at to know chris jones is present once was, was presence was missed uh, mm-hmm. first two drives um, yeah, uh, both Jameis Winston and uh, Derek Carr looked like uh, Kurt Warner in the um, in the greatest show on turf against us. It was pretty bad. Uh, So Saints scored in their first drive on a five-minute, 12-play, 80-yard drive. Uh, Derek Carr never looked better than... I think that was... Honestly, Derek Carr's probably best drive ever against us. And he... No. Uh, no, no, I'm joking around. I'm joking around. <laughs> uh, I'm joking He's around. had some good ones. He's had some good ones. No, 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 no. no, no but I'm just saying, like, that's up there. The fact is, it's his first time in a, in a new regime and he's already looking great. Um, yep. Second drive was only a two, about a minute and 40 second drive, four play, 48 yard drive, um, from uh, Jameis Winston. Uh, our DT rotation was our guy, Derek Naughty, um, Wise, Danny Shelton, um, Keandre Coburn, and uh, Dickerson. So a bunch of guys. Um, some may have never heard of these, some of these guys. Um, but, yeah, Naughty did not look good at all. Uh, getting pushed back, something that J.D. and I have gone over going back to last season. Getting consistently pushed back. So much so that when we signed Brandon Williams, it was almost instantly we saw pressure up front. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Danny Sheldon actually looked pretty damn good. Um, he's it looks yeah. like he lost a little bit of weight. He's more in shape. Um, and Kyanja Copern had flashes, but he was at the end uh, of, like, the game. So, he wasn't really going against the ones and 2s mm-hmm. Um but what do you make of the uh, defensive tackle uh, up front, and kind of the D line as a whole? Actually,
0: first, I want to say I don't think the Saints are going to be a bad offense at all this year. So no. I, I want to um, any any criticism I have of the Chiefs, it's not we didn't play scrubs. We we played a a pretty I think what would be a pretty good offense. They have a competent quarterback who has a lot of experience against the Chiefs. Right? I mean, it's not the same team, but he knows our defense pretty well. He knows our team pretty well Um, and playing away from Casey. uh, I saw a car against the chiefs has had at least two TD passes in four of his last five games away from Kansas city. Wow, Um, Yeah. Um, Kamara played good. He he looked, he looked good and played a lot and Thomas are two good receivers. Talking about like one a and one B. I mean, they have a good offense. So I I don't want to, you know, say like, you know, we look like garbage against a garbage team. Um, we had problems all over defense. It wasn't just D-line, though. Like Our secondary couldn't cover. Um, we were letting uh, uh, the one that Olave dropped. That would have been for a good gain, too. He had that ball. Um, we couldn't cover the short routes. I and mean, that's all they were really doing on us. I mean, they, I mean, they were really picking us apart everywhere, to be honest with you. But um, I might make an argument for us sp- being more worried about our secondary. Because we're not missing, like, a Chris Jones caliber player over there. At least we can look at our D-line and be like, we're missing Chris Jones, it'd all be fixed, but we don't have that all over the field. So I I was worried about the lack of push, um, specifically middle pass rush. You know, it's bad when your most explosive pass rusher was Shelton. (laughs) You know, it's you're like, oh, shit, we're in trouble. Um, Yeah, it's obviously a problem, but at least we can identify what it is um, no, one's going to replace Jones. We know that. Right. So, um, only two people that are happy about the performance, by the way, are Chris Jones because he could stand his ground and want his, whatever the hell he's asking for. And, um, and Campbell, because, you know, he, the longer that Chris Jones stays away, the better chance he has is not facing him and seeing that same defense come to Detroit. Yep. Um, so we need to get Chris Jones back as soon as possible, at least before the season starts. That's all it shows.
1: Yeah, Dan Campbell actually made a comment about uh, about that uh, yesterday, saying that he was uh, he he liked what he saw out there, and he hopes uh, Chris Jones uh, waits a little longer to come back. Um, I bet. I don't know if I if I if I was a Lions fan, I don't know if I'd like that. Your your coach happy that one of the players isn't going to be there. It's like I don't know. Like, don't you want to play there? the team's best? Like, it's rooting for a guy not to be there, whatever. Um, yeah. But I, I'll say like yeah, the secondary that's yeah, troublesome because that, they, they, those are our guys. Um, it all starts up front though. Um, so like if you're not getting pressure, you get all day back there. Your secondary looks awful because the quarterback's got all day to get back there, you know, to, to do his thing and pick you apart. So that's that's, that, that's one thing. But as far as um, the D line, yeah, the D tackle situation we know, right? Like you have two, you have two weak D tackles. But then you bring Chris Jones, you only have one weak D-tackle. And any any kind of weakness you have from the other one, it's less because they're they're putting more emphasis on doubling Chris Jones and then it gives you a better one-on-one with your uh, other D-tackle. But the one thing I'm I'm looking at, it's our at least for the beginning part of the season. We're baking on a sophomore growth from Carl Loftus. You know, he ended the season on a high note. If you look at his last like six games, he had four and a half sacks or something like that. We're banking on a sophomore like Boost to him continue him continue to grow, yep. but then we're also banking on a rookie King Felix to come in and do his thing. And yeah, he had a he had a nice pressure on Winston, but I didn't really see like a very fast get off from him. He looked. I mean, obviously his whole thing was you know he was kind of he was kind of like a do it all. Like he wasn't like super fast a, a edge rusher. He wasn't a super strong guy. He was kind of the best mix of everything.
0: Really good bend.
1: Good bend. So we're go- that was like a good thing. We're gonna have to see that come right away, and obviously we have Mike Dana, so we have we have some rotation of guys there. But I'm really worried about Edge Rushing. I don't think there's anything you can do. Like I, people can say, "Go get, go get Dunlap." That's fine. It's good. It's a good. It's a good guy to get. I don't think it's gonna improve anything. Um, because not having a man who's gonna hurt for this first six games of the season, it, re- it yeah. really stings. Um, luckily we played the Lions week one, yeah, the other an up and coming team, but. We're gonna have we're gonna have some tough games in those six games where uh where we're Noah Amanda, Who and I I think um I'm gonna be looking at the edge rushers more so this weekend because we know, like you said, we know the D tackle situation. We know all that is you plug in Chris Jones, that D tackle situation kind of goes away. And you can kind of put, you know, I think at times we put Mike Dana back at the other D tackle spot. We can have fold the other D tackle spot once Jones is yeah. there. But the edge rush, and yeah, Jones being there will help the edge rushers too, because it'll also the O lines be focused on him allowing yeah. other guys to do stuff. But we're banking a lot on the young guys, and that's one thing that we did with the secondary last year, and it, and it worked out, and it hit this year. we're Doing that with the edge rushers—no more Frank Clark, there's no Dunlap. It's literally it's it's literally Carl Loftus and whoever else on the other edge, uh, other side. Um, I I did like BJ Thompson, um, his get off. We knew he was a fast guy. That's get off. That was amazing get off, and it doesn't matter who you're playing, going to get up against. He just looked fast. I mean, he's coming off the ball like that was amazing. Um, yeah, what'd you think of BJ Thompson? And, um, do you think a guy like that he gets some add some weight, add some bulk to him, add some girth to him? I think he could be, I uh, think he could be a rotational pass rusher.
0: Nothing situational for sure. Um, yeah, that, that one, especially that one clip everyone showed where him just bursting out, that was awesome. That's not what Felix, Felix is not that. No, right. no, 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 no. He's a lot bigger than him, too. So, um, but I, I just see, um, Another thing about Felix too was his reaction to, um, offensive tackles. He's very good at like the second move. Um, so I think that will help too. He looks, he looks pretty polished. He doesn't look clueless out there and he's not just relying on his athleticism. So that I do like as well. Um, I want to see more for sure, but yeah, Chris Jones will help the entire line. It's not just he tackles, right. And what like they did against the, um, the Bengals, they'll put him at end sometimes to get, you know, change it up. So, Um, I just think he's just, man, he's, he's our Mahomes on defense, dude. Yeah. You know, if Mahomes wasn't playing right now, we'd be picking apart the guys around him right now and it wouldn't be fair.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, we have a massive hole. Like it's not just a good player. It's, it's a massive salary hole, um, at that D line and in our defense. Um, there's a reason why he's standing firm on his, on his demands. He's worth it, Mm -hmm. you know?
1: Um, and he's got all the leverage in the world after watching last week's display and if there's a similar performance from the D-line this weekend that there you go there's there's more leverage for uh, old uh, old stone cold jones
0: even if we do have a good game, once we go, oh, yeah, really, okay, go go get the Lions, see, see what happens.
1: True. So it's like, even if we have
0: a good game, he's gonna be like, okay, yeah, that meant a lot. Yeah, yeah, take that to take that to Detroit and see what happens with that.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, there there was some optimism this week, though. Uh, Joe calling the D line coach uh, during his presser um, briefly it was like a thirty second clip, but it was just said that he's been in contact with Chris. Um, you know, I've been talking to him about his conditioning, all the stuff he's been doing and stuff, and. You know, we'll figure it out when he gets here. So it was like it was like a when he gets here kind of thing. Like, we'll, you know, we'll hammer out the other stuff when he gets here. Like, okay. it was more of like a when, not an if. So, like, obviously, fifty thousand dollars a day, man. I think it, what, I think he's crossed over the like three million dollar threshold or the two million dollar threshold as far as how much money he's uh, given up with this. Coming hold out. He will, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, just uh, just just interesting. And then Andy Reid also made a comment about yeah when he when he gets when he gets here or whatever. So like. It seems like it's coming to an end now that training camp's over. It seems like that's not, you know, that's one thing some of these players don't, especially the vets, they don't want to go to training camp. They don't want to do all that BS, like, you know. And obviously there's a lot of stuff that, that comes with training camp, you know, the camaraderie aspect, the chemistry, all the stuff, you know, just getting in the grind, getting in game shape. So there's a lot with that. But also some of these vets, they've been they've been there, done that. They don't really have to go there, especially a guy like Chris Jones. So, yep. like, now that it's over, I'm hoping that we'll see something maybe next week uh, the first non-week of training camp, maybe he'll he'll be back. Um, yeah, because I, I think we're all tired of this, seeing the Michael Michael Bay posts. Uh, the guy who quit the team didn't even make any sense. Um, and then all the cryptic messages, the cryptic messages, and then also I don't know if you saw um, today someone made a GoFundMe. Um, it was a it, is that a joke? That was that serious? I thought that was a joke. It was, it was well, it, someone actually made it, um, but. Yeah, someone actually made it, but uh, Chris Jones said, uh, don't don't pay anything to it. It's not that's not me. Don't do don't do anything with that. So yeah, but the fact that there was forty three thousand dollars in there, man, who the hell is uh, giving money to a play? I know we're all Chiefs fans. We want these guys to come back, but come on, guys. It, it was literally the goal was ten million dollars, and there was forty three thousand. You imagine having
0: the future of like getting guys to report, having people like send in money, try to make up the, close the gap. It's
1: crazy. I, I mean, I hope it never comes. Public,
0: public funding for signing bonuses.
1: Dude, I mean, crazy. I mean, these are rich owners. I mean, there, there's, no, there's no reason why we should be, why fans should do that. The fact that 43,000 gullible people did the $43,000 worth of money. I don't know who, I don't know how many people did that, but crazy. There's a lot of, other. Th- there's a lot of other things people could be uh, giving money to. We're already public funding when you
0: pay for the ticket and when you buy tickets to go to the game and when you buy concessions and you when you go buy jerseys, like you're already giving money, you don't need to give any more. Yeah,
1: when I saw that, I was I, I couldn't believe it. I, I could, have, yeah, I mean, people, some people are very gullible. That's just to say, to, to say it in a lightly way, um, I guess, but yeah. Uh, so before we head out of here, um, what are the three things you're looking forward to for uh, week two of preseason? What what, what what do you want to keen in on i think we kind of already, i touched on some of them but what what do, you, what do you i think yeah i
0: mean i think we we've we've hit it on the head I, i'm looking at um d-line i'm looking at receivers and i'm looking at uh, well i'm always looking at Mahomes so that doesn't count though uh so d-line receivers and i, I mean kick returns i, I really I'm, everything we talked about is what i'm going to be watching yeah
1: um yeah i'm i'm right with you on that all three of those things um yeah so we hope you guys enjoyed the episode hope you guys enjoy the preseason game tomorrow night um yeah APM p.m start time uh, arizona back in that field hopefully fingers crossed everyone get everyone gets out of that field unscathed no injury problems with that field conditions there because apparently last week the field conditions were awful um during that uh, broncos game and then also this is the same field that everyone threw, threw a fit about from the super bowl so um yeah so hopefully you guys enjoy that, that tomorrow night. And again, we'll be posting details about our post-game reaction show for Bleacher Report um, next Saturday. But J.D. and I will have a show before that, so we'll definitely be able to uh, let you guys know um, more details uh, next week. So hope you guys enjoy the episode. We'll see you guys next time. Taja, awesome having you, buddy. Thanks, pal. Hi, everybody. Thanks for watching. Subscribe here to get the latest from the show. Also, be sure to check out the best clips from Chief Concerns. And if you prefer to listen to the show, Subscribe and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.